This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. It's, uh, it's a, a great, uh, exciting time for us. Uh, we lived in Oklahoma City, as Pastor Chris mentioned, uh, where I was on the teaching team at a church there and traveling around and, and preaching. And my wife was getting her doctorate in biomedical research from OU, and we always uh, knew that, um, which, by the way, you can tell she's the brains in the family, and uh, you can pray for my two kids that they got their mother's brains. And because uh, they're going to need it for college because I'm not paying for it. But anyway, uh, anyway, sorry, I digress. But uh, we, we, we always felt like uh, that when she finished her doctorate, that that would be kind of a natural uh, transition time and something that the Lord was leading us to do. We didn't feel we would stay in Oklahoma City. We didn't know where we would go. Long story short, we kind of, we were just praying, Lord, wherever you want to take us, wherever you want to lead us, you're going to have to open a door. Many of you have been there as well. God, you're going to have to show us. You're going to have to uh, reveal something to us. You're going to have to use something to kind of spark something in our hearts. And my wife was looking around at different places where she could potentially get a job following uh, completing her doctorate. And she looked at a company in Indianapolis Um, a big biotech company, and she put in her application there. And so that started us praying, okay, Lord, is this where you're taking us? Is Indianapolis the place? And you can imagine kind of the excitement for us gets moving, and we're going, maybe this is where the Lord's going to take us. This is a phenomenal company. It would be an amazing job for her to get. And we just, you know, you just are are kind of, you start riding pretty high. You're like, this is going to be incredible, man. The Lord's moving, right? The Lord's leading us. And uh, they never even uh, responded to her application. And so, needless to say, the bottom pretty much fell out of that job opportunity. Uh, But the bottom didn't really fall out of the sense that we both had that that was where God was leading us. And so we fasted and we prayed. Many of you have been there too, where you think God's leading and then it starts to look like he's not. And you kind of go, okay, what's going on? We fasted, we just kept praying. And it was one of those things where we'd be sitting at the dinner table just having dinner. And one of us would just stop and look up at the other and just say, I want to go to Indianapolis and plant a church. God gave us the desire. He gave us the burden. It developed pretty quickly, uh, but it became a bigger step of faith uh, than we thought it would be. We kind of thought this job thing would work out. And so anyway, we took the step of faith. We just said, look, Lord, we believe you're calling us and leading us. And unless you hit the brakes, uh, we're all in and we're going to go. And I'm not surprised at the Lord's faithfulness. Uh, anymore. He has been faithful over and over and over again. Many of you, uh, you've got your testimonies and your stories of the Lord's faithfulness and how he provides uh, amazing stories. And this is uh, one of the ones uh, that I love. I'm not surprised that God was faithful, but I was pretty surprised how fast he was faithful. Within six weeks of us making the decision to move to Indianapolis with our job for my wife and for me to plant a church means I have to stop traveling and preaching, which means I was walking away from my job as well. So we were really going uh, to be jobless. Um, And within six weeks, my wife had three job offers uh, from uh, places in Indianapolis, and she was able to choose one of those. She loves her job. It's great. The Lord has led us. Again, the Lord brought people alongside us, and we are are so excited. But today what I want to do is jump into the Word of God with you. And uh, I'm not going to preach about our church plant or talk about our church plant. I'm going to preach a sermon to you, though, that is very much at the heart 
of uh, what we want to do and who we want to be as a church. This is one of uh, the things we have a little uh, deal we put together. It's called our blueprint, basically kind of the plans for who we want to be and what kind of church we want to be and what we believe that will look like and how the Lord is leading us. And this has kind of become one of the core values of who we are. But uh, with that context uh, given, I want to just jump into God's word and read this verse of scripture uh, as the, the place where we'll kind of start off and it'll be kind of our launching pad for where I think the Lord wants to take us. So first John chapter two, uh, verse number six, just one verse of scripture. Here's what the Bible says. It says, those who say they live in God, in other words, Christians, uh, in other words, those who have relationship with Jesus, those who sh- say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Those who have relationship with Jesus, those who have confessed Jesus as their Lord, accepted Jesus as their Savior, Christians, people of faith, everybody who has this relationship with Jesus, the Bible says, should live their lives as Jesus did. That's a pretty simple verse of Scripture, right? It's a pretty straightforward uh, verse of Scripture. It's not a concept that needs an enormous amount of explanation. It's just pretty cut and dry. As Christians... The goal for us individually, for us collectively, is to live our lives the way that Jesus did. And while that's, a, that's a, a, an inspiring idea, right, to, to be like Jesus, it doesn't take all that long, I think, for most of us to start to realize that that bar is set quite a bit higher than probably where we presently are today. It doesn't take that much time for us to realize that um, that's a pretty tall order. It doesn't take very long. It doesn't take a a, a lot of uh, thought to start coming up with the ways where um, we probably fall a little bit short of that verse of Scripture. Live Live your lives as Jesus did. Now, I know some of us are really familiar with the Bible. Some of you grew up in church. You've been doing this for a long, long time. You know the stories really well. Others of you today, you might be a lot more new to this whole thing, to the idea of church, and you're kind of learning the routines and kind of learning what we're doing. All the stories you hear are brand new. So some of you know Jesus and his life really, really well. Some of you are, are more new to this, this idea. So when the Bible says live your life like Jesus did, maybe for you, you're going, okay, well, how exactly did Jesus live? And we don't have time to go look through all the stories. But, uh, and again, some of you will know this. Some of you, this is more new for you. But Jesus went through a lot in his life. He really did. Jesus went through an enormous amount of things. We know maybe some of the miracle stories. Those are the most well-known things that Jesus did. All the powerful moments. He was a great teacher. Uh, People loved him, uh, but people also hated him. Jesus knew what it was like to have enemies. Jesus knew what it was like to have people spread nasty rumors about him. People, Jesus knew what it was like, if you know how the story for Jesus ends in the gospel. By the time Jesus gets to his crucifixion at the end of of each of the the gospel stories, Jesus was abandoned by his closest friend. He was lonely. He was hurting. He was in pain. He knows what it's like to go through all of those things. Jesus knows what it's like to be stabbed in the back by people who loved him. And a lot of us can relate. We know what it's like to be stabbed in the back. We know what it's like to have people who are supposed to care about us and supposed to love us turn their back on us. We know what it's like to be abandoned. Some of us have had people walk out on us in life. We know what it's like to hurt. We know what it's like. Jesus did too. He went through all of those things. He went through brutal times. He went through difficult times. 
He went through so many of the same things that we go through. But Jesus, when he went through all of that, still loved his enemies. He still loved the people who stabbed him in the back. He loved the people who abandoned him. He loved the people who turned on him. He loved his enemies. He cared about them. He had compassion for people. Jesus lived an amazing life. I mean, again, we know some of the other, the, the big moments. We know that Jesus, he went throughout his life and throughout his world. And, and, and when Jesus found somebody that nobody else wanted, Jesus welcomed them and accepted them and loved them. Jesus was constantly going around, basically finding kind of the outcasts of his society of his society and welcoming them in in a sense to the party. Jesus was constantly inviting people in. He had amazing compassion for the hurting. He, he did all of these things. He was compassionate. He was loving. He was kind. He was gentle. He, he, he lived this, this incredible life. And then the Bible just comes along and almost honestly kind of nonchalantly says, live your life as Jesus did. Well, that's a whole lot easier to say. Like, it's not hard. We could all memorize that verse of scripture uh, probably by the end of the service today. And we could quote it. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. It's really easy to say, but good grief. That's not very easy to live out. And again, it doesn't take all that long, I think, for a lot of us to begin to develop a sense of maybe it's not even all that fair. Like, maybe that's not even, it's not even all that fair to say, just live your life the way that Jesus did. Do what he did. Well, my objection to that would be, well, yeah, but I'm not God, right? Like, that's not even fair, right? Like, I don't have the God card. Have you ever met anybody that kind of thought they were God? There's people that are hard to love, right? It's like, that's about the most brutal, like, some of you grew up that, it was, you know, it's like, maybe it was a, a close friend or, well, probably not all that close because people like that tend to be annoying. But, uh, you know, I'm just saying, like, it's, it, it's Jesus had the... You have the God card. Like, man, that's got to be nice. Like, how many of you have siblings? Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't it have been nice when you were growing up and your siblings who got on your ever-living, loving, last nerve? When they annoyed you, when they picked on you, when they, if they were older, kind of abused you, kind of, you know, tormented you. Anybody get tormented by a sibling? And it's hard. It's hard to love people who treat you like that. It's hard. Wouldn't it have been nice to just be like, you're an idiot, but God card, I love you, <laughs> right? Like that would have been nice. People who are against you, people who's like, again, Jesus knew what it was like to pe- have people spread rumors about him that weren't t- true. Jesus got accused of working for the devil. People said all kinds of stuff about Jesus. It would have been nice to just be like, God card, love you. Your boss, who's a jerk, God card, love you anyway. People who are, who are outcasts, who aren't like you, who you normally wouldn't be friends with. And it's hard to really reach out to those people because some of the other people that you're friends with are gonna think weird things about you because now you're associating with those kind of people and you gotta kind of risk some of your reputation and what will people think? I mean, it'd be nice to just be like, God card, come on in. Let's hang out. Love you. Let's be friends. It'd be, it'd be nice, right? Like it's gotta be so nice to be able to play that card, to just kind of just, just work through like, like when, 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 you know, the temptations came, Jesus was tempted for 40 days. We know that story. That's not the only time he was tempted, but for 40 days, Jesus is in the wilderness and he's tempted. And it's just like, boom, God card, get out of my face. Oh, hey, Satan. How are you? God card, keep on walking, right? It's like, oh, you came to tempt me. Well, I'm God. <laughs> you know, it's like, deal with that like that's gotta be nice right for jesus just walk around oh you're hurting god card i'll help you out oh you're sick you need to be healed god card i'll help you out oh you're all hungry right like when jesus fed the masses jesus wasn't just showing off to prove something to people about himself 
Most of the people in Jesus' day in that area that he ministered to genuinely struggled to put food on the table for their family. Jesus was actually helping out hungry people. It wasn't just a miracle as some kind of a big show. I mean, he literally was putting food in empty stomachs, people who struggled to feed their families. He was really doing something. I mean, it's got to be nice to just be like, oh, you're all hungry. Cool. God, card. Awesome. That's got to be fun, right? It would be really nice. It'd be a whole lot easier to live out 1 John Chapter two, verse six, if we could go around playing that card and when people, people hurt us, we just love them anyway. No problem. You're my enemy. You don't like me. You say nasty things about me. I love you so much. <laughs> just play that card. And uh, it, it would be, it'd be so much uh, easier for us if, if when we were in the moments of temptation, we could do that. If we were in the moments where we needed some extra strength or some extra help, we could just pull that card out and, and use it. And let me, let me ask you this. How many of you in the room, just a quick survey, how many of you are sports fans? Anybody? Anybody? Sports fans? How many of you are Cowboys fans? <sighs> anyway, um, I was just curious. God help you all. Anyway, um, I'm a Chiefs fan. I'm sorry. I know. Just pray for me. So anyway, um, it's really annoying that you guys lost your quarterback and you're still really good. Um, but I'm a sports fan. I, I love sports. I absolutely, uh, I, I'm kind of, I could just about watch any sport. Um, I got introduced to a brand new sport a couple of years ago when I was in Ireland. I, I loved it. It's called Gaelic football. Totally did not understand it at all. Uh, it's like a combination between like soccer and like basketball and just really weird, like it's played with a soccer ball, but they pick it up and run around with it and literally like dribble it. And they dribble it off their feet while they're running. I was like, that's a great way to break a leg, right? Like, I mean, I would wipe out so bad if while I was at a dead sprint, I was trying to dribble a soccer ball off the ground and off my foot. Like anyway, but so I was kind of amazed by that. Totally, again, did not understand I'm full of, in a stadium full of uh, crazy Irish people. And the guy's like running down the field. He's dribbling, right? And he gets toward the goal and he, you know, drops the ball. Boom, he kicks it. It goes over the goal. I like, I drop back in my seat. I'm like, dude, he missed. I mean, it was like this close. I drop back into my seat like, oh, you gotta be kidding. Everybody else in the stadium bursts into applause. I mean, they just go nuts. And it's their team. Like, they're, I'm like, he how drunk are these people, right? I'm like, he missed, right? Totally did not understand the rules. And, and my friend's like, no, you get a point for that. I was like, why? <laughs> you know, like he kicked it over the goal and he got a point for it. Uh, and I was, was like, like a sympathy point. Like, uh, you know, is that like a, well, well, that's what Jesus would do. God card, give him a point, you know, just bless his heart. He tried Give him, you know, so now I figured out actually you get three points if you kick it in the net and you get, I didn't even notice it, but there's two poles that come up off the, the, the ends of the goal and it kind of creates like a, like an NFL field goal or call it like a football field goal. And if you kick it through that, you get a point. So anyway, that made a whole lot more sense because at first I was really confused. But anyways, I love sports. Uh, one of my favorite things is the ESPN 30 for 30 documentaries. Anybody else? Anybody else? Am I alone? I don't raise your hand like this. Like, just be proud. There we go. All right, cool. I'm not alone. Uh, when they first started doing those documentaries, a lot of them started with the same question. And the question was, what if I told you? 
And it would be things like, what if I told you that like one man's uh, goal could, could bring his nation together? What if I told you that, that tragedy could bring rivals together? What if I told you that, you know, one team's triumph could inspire, you know, whatever. Like it, it was all these, what if I told you, what if I told you? And I, I love those documentaries. And, and so I, I'm going to do a little bit of kind of a, an ESPN 30 for 30 moment with this sermon and, and phrase it this way and simply say, what if I told you? that Jesus never played the God card? What if I told you that the way that Jesus did his ministry and lived his life was not by playing the God card all the time? What if I told you that when Jesus was tempted, he never used the God? What if I told you that when Jesus did miracles, he didn't play the God card? What if I told you when Jesus needed to love his enemies, he didn't use the God card? What if I told you that Jesus never used the God card. Go to Philippians chapter two. We're gonna read a few verses of scripture that I think will help us out today. The Bible says this, it's Philippians chapter two, uh, verses five through eight. Five through eight. The Bible says this about Jesus. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. And here's, it begins to explain some things about Jesus. Verse number six, it says, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. The Bible says, who being in very nature God, in other words, Jesus who is God, did not consider the fact that he was God or equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And that's the key, key phrase did not consider that something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, as we kind of begin to to get into that verse of scripture, I wanna be really clear about something. We're actually gonna start with what that verse of scripture does not mean before we get into what it does mean. What that scripture does not mean it does not mean that at any point or in any way in Jesus' life here on earth that Jesus ever quit being God. That, that verse of scripture does not mean that. Jesus was fully God and fully man at the same time the whole time. Jesus never in any way quit being God when he became a human being. He was both of those things at the same time. That is not what that verse is talking about. So what is that verse saying? What that verse is saying is Jesus didn't use the fact that he was God to, in a sense, walk down easy street his whole time here on earth. What that verse means is that Jesus didn't use the fact that he was God to cruise through life in a way that is not available to everybody else. What that verse of scripture means is that when Jesus was a human being, he was always fully God, but he didn't use the fact that he was God to just breeze through life. So when the devil came, he didn't play the God card. He wasn't like, God card, get out of my face. Enemies, you hate me. I love you. God card, no problem. He never played, he didn't use the fact that he was God. So Jesus, are you ready for this? He lived his life as a normal human being. He didn't use the fact that he was divine to his own advantage to get through life in a way that you and I couldn't. That's what that means. Now that 
I can connect to. That I can relate with because I know all about being normal, right? I know what it's like to just be an average, everyday, normal human being. I know what that's like. And what we need to know today from scripture is that Jesus knew what it was like too. Because he, ne- he never quit being God. But he didn't use it to get through life in a way that you and I can't. Well, that naturally creates a pretty important question. If that's not how Jesus did it, if that's not how he got through life, it's not, if that's not how he did all the miracles and taught all those things and loved all those people, and like Philippians chapter 2 says, really even the ultimate thing, it says he was obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. How did Jesus stay obedient to the will of his heavenly father all the way to the cross if he never even played the God card? If he did it as a normal human being, how on earth would he ever have stayed obedient? How would he have done those things? That's a pretty important question. And the Bible actually has a really great answer. And it's found in Acts chapter 10. So flip over there if you got your phone or whatever. Uh, Go to Acts chapter 10 and we're gonna read one verse of scripture that I think will help us out here today. And the Bible says this in Acts chapter number 10 and verse 38. The Bible says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now notice those last words, the last five words, because God was with him. Notice what it does not say. It does not say that Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because he is God. What does it say? It says Jesus went around doing all those things because God was with him. Jesus never quit being God. He was always fully God and fully man at the same time. But Jesus didn't use the fact that he was God to just cruise through life in a way that's totally unavailable to the rest of us. Jesus lived his life as a normal human being, full of and empowered by the very spirit of God. And Jesus went around doing the ministry and doing the miracles and loving the people and having compassion and welcoming the outcasts and and forgiving those who who turned their back on him and abandoned him and betrayed him. Jesus went through life doing all of those things empowered by the spirit of God. Now, okay, cool. That's great. But in a sense, when we get to this point, I think that there's another question that naturally develops. So what? It's like, okay, well, that's kind of some, some, that's a little bit of, of kind of intricate, maybe even a little bit of deep theology today. Like, okay, that's a bit of a, a dive into the deep into the pool of the Bible this morning. Okay, cool, but so what? And the reason that I walk us through all of those things, the reason I think it's important to go step by step through those things is to simply come to a place where we understand, I think, something that is incredibly helpful for us as Christians who are trying to do our best to live out first John chapter 2, verse 6, that those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. For people who are trying to love our enemies, for people who are trying to forgive those who hurt us and struggle, 
For those of us who are, who are trying to be more compassionate and trying to care more about those who are hurting, for those of us who are trying to do a better job of resisting temptation and getting that victory and overcoming, for those of us who are trying to have more faith because we want to do big things for God, for those of us who desperately want to live out that scripture, I want to be like Jesus, but just sometimes feel like we fall short. What I want us to understand today is that the same spirit that empowers Empowered Jesus is the same spirit that God has put inside of you. The same spirit that empowered Jesus to live that life is the same one that takes up residence inside every person who confesses Jesus as Savior and or confesses Jesus as Lord and accepts Him as their Savior. It's the same spirit lives inside of you. I want us to understand today that maybe it's a whole lot more possible to be like Jesus than we would have thought. Because God gave us the same thing he gave Jesus so that he could do it. We have the same thing. But that creates for us another question. If the same spirit that lived in Jesus and empowered him to do all those things lives in us, same one, same deal, how come we don't get the same result? Because wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like I've been a Christian for a long time. And if you, you've been Christians a lot longer than I have. We don't get, how come we don't get the same result? If it's the same spirit, if it's the same really kind of combination of things, like a normal human being and God's own spirit at work within that person, like why don't we get the same thing? And, and this is where the rubber really meets the road. This is where all this kind of maybe, uh, maybe kind of ivory tower theology, maybe this, this, this kind of, we'll get down into the details a little bit of how this all worked out and God and Jesus being fully God and fully man and his life and his ministry and how it all worked. This is where all that kind of big idea stuff comes all the way down to the street where we live. Because the problem for us so many times is that we try to be like Jesus in all these areas of his life without being like Jesus in the one area of his life that made all the other ones possible. We try to love like Jesus and have compassion like Jesus and accept people like Jesus and forgive like Jesus and welcome in the lonely and the hurting and the outcasts and the unwanted in our world like Jesus. We try to be like Jesus. We try to do what he did. We try to walk in faith and walk in the power of the spirit. We try to walk. We try to do all these things that Jesus did again without being like Jesus in the one area of his life that made all of those things possible. And when you read through the scriptures and we don't have time to go through all the moments. And, and again, for those of you who know the Bible well, you know this, that we only have snapshots of Jesus' life. None of the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four books of the Bible that tell the story of Jesus, none of them give you a day-by-day, minute-by-minute account. We just have moments. But even in the brief moments that we have, a, a pattern clearly develops from the life of Jesus. One of the things you'll find, like in, we won't take the time to go, it's Mark chapter 1, verse 35. You find Jesus doing something. He gets up in the middle of the night, the Bible says, and he sneaks off alone to a place by himself. And the Bible says there, he prayed. He prayed for hours. And he did it often. We only have snapshots, but you can see it. Jesus had a consistent, disciplined life of prayer. 
And what I want to say to you today is this. If you're going to remember one thing, if you're, going to, if you're a note taker and you're going to write down one thing, here it is. And it's really simple. And my prayer is that it helps you in your walk with God. And here it is. If you want to be like Jesus, pray like Jesus. You can't be like Jesus in all these other areas of his life if you're not like Jesus in the one area of his life that made all the other ones possible. If you want to be like Jesus, pray like Jesus. Jesus didn't use the fact that he was God to do all of these things. How did he do it? Through a disciplined, consistent life of plugging into the power of God's spirit through prayer. He prayed all the time. He prayed every day. He prayed for hours. He got up in the middle of the night when everybody else was asleep and he went off and he got alone and he was with his father and it was there that Jesus plugged into the power of God's own spirit to be at work in his life, to live the life that his father sent him. If you want to be like Jesus, pray like Jesus. If you want to love like Jesus, pray like Jesus. If you want to have compassion like Jesus, pray like Jesus. If you want to have faith like Jesus, pray like Jesus. If you want to be led by the Holy Spirit like Jesus, pray like Jesus. Here's the thing today that I want us to understand. Uh, I want us to understand that Christians as we close with, with this, I want us to understand that Christians are a lot like Apple Watches. Like, <laughs> overpriced and overhyped, or like, here's the thing with, with Apple Watches. They're really cool. Uh, without going into a lot of detail, they, it's this really cool little piece of hardware that the genius people at Apple came up with. Uh, and it's not just kind of this, this the hardware itself, this, this kind of, brilliant, beautiful, tiny little computer, you know, that you wear on your wrist. The software, it's just, that's downloaded into that thing is just phenomenal. I mean, the capabilities that it has are just incredible. Like all these apps, all the things, tracks your heartbeat, tracks how many calories you take a lap around the church and it tells you how many calories you burned. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's phenomenal. It's amazing. You can just do all kinds of things with it. And I mean, thank God, right, for the Apple Watch. Because you can, you can just open up the Starbucks app and pay for your drink from your watch at Starbucks. Because that's what we needed as the human race, right? Like, I mean, this whole, like, I got to take out my wallet thing, that's got to go. The whole, like, the whole, like, I got to take out my phone and use Apple Pay. Like, good grief, who's got time for that, you know? Like, I got a job and a wife and kids. Like, I don't have time to be taking my phone out of my pocket at Starbucks to pay for my drink. So thank God I can do it from my wrist. So if you were wondering if it's justified to buy an Apple Watch, it is. So anyway, um, here's the thing. Great. I mean, the hardware, the software, it's brilliant. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's powerful. But here's the one catch. The battery life's a joke. Like seriously, if you use it a lot, it won't even last till dinner. Like fully charged in the morning, it's dead by dinner. I got one. I called Apple because it kept dying literally by dinner time. And you know what their solution was? Don't use it so much. I'm like, they pay you for that? Like, you got to be kidding me. But here's the thing. It has amazing capabilities. So many possibilities. But it has to be plugged in and recharged and repowered constantly. In fact, every single day. And in all honesty, sometimes multiple times a day. Christians are a lot like Apple Watches. Amazing capability. Unlimited potential because of the spirit of God at work within us. But our battery life stinks. 
the musicians, the piano player can, can go ahead and come. Here's the deal. You want to be like Jesus, pray like Jesus. But if you're going to pray like Jesus, you've got to know that Jesus plugged in to that power every single day. Sometimes more than one time a day. Jesus constantly prayed. Jesus consistently prayed. Jesus was always going alone, getting away from everybody else, spending time plugging in to his Father, to that power. It is not possible to be like Jesus if we don't pray like Jesus. You got to plug into that strength. You've got to plug into that power. I love this verse of scripture. You don't have to turn there. Colossians chapter one, verse 29. The apostle Paul says, for this I work, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. But you don't have that energy. I don't have that energy powerfully working in me if I don't plug in through prayer. If you want to be like Jesus, pray like Jesus. Live how he did by praying how he did. That's, it's in our blueprint as a church. This little series of statements we put together to remind us of who we are and what we got to do to be who we feel like God called us to be. And it's right there in our, our blueprint. We pray like Jesus because we want to be like Jesus. It's not impossible to live like Jesus. It's definitely a process. It doesn't happen overnight. We got a lot to overcome. We got a lot to get through, but it's possible if we pray plug into the power of God's own spirit at work within our lives. So here's what I want to do. I want to end on a super practical note. So if you have your, your bulletin where you can take notes or you got your phone where you like to type things out, I'm going to give you something really quick from Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through 13. Matthew 6 9 through 13. Some of you already know what that is. It's the Lord's prayer. Um, we said it in, in the service today. That prayer functions very well in the way we used it today. As, as something to corporately pray. Um, it, it, that prayer functions very well as something personally that we can commit to memory and pray it word for word verbatim. It works very well as a prayer like that corporately and in our own prayer, private prayer lives. Um, that prayer, if, if that were the only ways that prayer functioned, it, it would be, be well worth having it in the scriptures. But it's not any less than those things, but that prayer is, is certainly a whole lot more than just that. That prayer is not just a good thing to quote from memory, to quote corporately. That prayer is a framework for how to pray. And here's the thing. Like, wouldn't it have been cool if in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, wouldn't it have been cool to hear what Jesus prayed? Wouldn't wouldn't it have been amazing to hear what he said, to hear how he did it? Like, how did he plug in? Like, when he had his own private times, when he got up in the middle of the night and went off to be alone with God, what did he say? What did he do? How did he do it? And here's the thing. Kind of had one of these moments where I realized something. And I might be wrong, but I I don't think that I am. I think if you want to know what Jesus said in those private moments of prayer, all you have to do is look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Because I don't think Jesus taught us to pray in a way that he didn't use. 
I think Jesus taught us to pray in the exact way that he prayed. Not that these are the only words he said, but this prayer is a framework for how to pray. So I'm going to give you this prayer in three steps or three words. So verse number nine, our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The word to put next to that verse is worship. The first thing Jesus taught us to do in prayer is worship. Hallowed be your name. To declare the name of God to be holy. That's what it means to hallow the name of God. To declare his name to be holy. What does it mean to be holy? It means to be set apart. We're declaring that that God is set apart, that he's above, that he's exalted, that God doesn't fit into any other category in life. He He is separate from and superior to everything else in life. Jesus said, when you pray, start with worship. And that does a really beautiful thing for us. Worshiping God gives us perspective. It helps us to remember where God is, right? And where we are in the equation of life. Jesus said, when you pray, worship. Second thing. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The word to associate with that is simply surrender. Basically what Jesus is saying is when you pray, give up your will for his. Give up your plan for his. So another way of saying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is basically simply to say, God, you're in charge, not me. And that's exactly how I want it. Another way to say that is just, God, it's not about my plan. Because here's what's easy, right? It's really easy to come to God with our life and our needs and our plan and to get it all figured out and then just bring it to him and kind of be like, hey, God, if you could just do this, if you could just do that, if you could just make this happen. You know what I'm saying? It's really easy. It's really easy to get it all figured out and then come to God and tell him how to do it. And Jesus says, no, no, no. When you pray, come to God and give it all up. Give up your way of doing it. Give up how you've got it all planned out and how you've got it all figured out and just tell God, I don't want my plan. I want yours. By the way, I get asked this a lot, especially by young people at the events and things that I did over over the years. They would ask this, how long should I pray, right? Anybody else ever ask that? Anybody else ever wonder, like, how long do I have to pray for it to count, right? Okay, I'm the only one. You guys are so spiritual, you should have preached today. So anyways, now, here's the thing. We've all wondered that. And I'll be honest with you. I think this is the gauge. The second step in prayer. We worship, then we surrender. I think you should pray every day as long as it takes to genuinely from your heart be able to say, I don't want my plans. I want yours. There will be some days where that seriously takes about 30 seconds. Because life's pretty good. Things are going pretty well. You're pretty blessed. Pretty thankful. You're doing pretty good. Some days it's not that hard to just go, God, I want what you want. Amen, right? Let's go. It's great. There are other days, and you know this, many of you know this very well, where it is brutally difficult to pray that prayer. When life is tough, when the decisions are difficult, when you're at a crossroads in life, when you're going through a trial or a tragedy in life, it's really, really hard to pray that prayer because you want to be in control. When you're hurt, You want to be in control of what happens to the people that hurt you. You want to be in control of how it works out. You want to be in charge and you want God to do what you want God to do. And there are days where it takes almost no time to pray that prayer. And there are other days where it should probably take hours. I'm way over on my time. Sorry. Let me close with this. The third thing that we do in prayer is that's where we ask. We worship We surrender and then we ask, give us this day our daily bread. God, will you provide? Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who who have sinned against us for forgiveness, for direction, for deliverance. It's there that we pray. We ask for those things, worship, surrender, and then ask. If you want to be like Jesus, pray like Jesus. 
One more thing about that surrender step. I think this is so helpful. When Jesus prayed to calm the storm at the end of Mark chapter four, you remember how long that prayer is? Some of you that know the story really well. Do you remember how long Jesus prayed to calm the storm and do that huge miracle? He said three words, peace be still. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead in John's gospel, John 11, is that right? Anyway, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, anybody remember how long that prayer was? Anybody, anybody? Three words, Lazarus come forth. Three words to to raise somebody from the dead. My prayer would have been three hours long. We get really wordy when it's time to pray for big things like that. When it's a big faith moment, when we're praying for a miracle, we are pray- and it's okay to pray longer prayers than that. I'm just saying that's when our prayers get really long. Jesus played, he prayed three words to calm the storm, three words to raise Lazarus from the dead. But when Jesus prayed to surrender his will to his father, he prayed for hours. The Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus didn't just pray it once. He didn't just pray it twice, three times. Jesus said, knowing he was going to die on the cross, hey, God, if there's any other way than that, let's go with it. You remember that moment? Hey, God, if there's any other way than me dying on the cross, let's do that. Hey, I know I'm being obedient. I've gotten this far. I'm nearly at the end. But hey, look, if there's any other way, I know what your plan is. And I'm just saying, if there's another one, if there's an alternate route, let's go with that. And then what had to have been the hardest prayer he ever prayed, yet not my will, but yours be done. And here's the thing, that is not the first time Jesus ever prayed that prayer. Before that prayer sounded like your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus had prayed that prayer every single day of his life. And so should we. If you want to be like Jesus, which the world desperately needs for us to be. Our families need for us to be. Our friends, our co-workers and our neighbors need for us to live like Jesus did. But if you want to be like Jesus, pray like Jesus. Let's pray today. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thanks for the opportunity to be in your house and in your presence and to get into your word. And I pray today, challenge and encourage your people for those who are struggling and stumbling, who want to be like Jesus, but are just having a tough time living it out. God, I pray that this message would challenge them, but also encourage and strengthen them. God, help them to be disciplined. Lord, help us all to take a step in our prayer lives, wherever we're at. Lord, help us to gain something from your word today. Strengthen us, speak to us. God, I pray for this church collectively help them to live like Jesus. And each one of them as individuals, help them to live like Jesus. We love you. We praise you. And it's in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.